Wrestling Federation Champion, Sergeant Slaughter versus the Immortal Hulk Hogan. Face to Feel good to see the immortal slime face down on the canvas. But it's gonna make me feel even better tonight when I see the immortal slime Hulk Hogan on his back, defeated one, two, three by the new ruler of the World Wrestling Federation, Sergeant Slaughter. All you know is ground warfare, hand to hand combat, man. This is new technology. This is the Hulkster of 1991. And you underestimated the enemy, brother. You have no idea what kind of secret weapons, what kind of secret battle plans me and my little Hulkamaniacs have in store for you, dude. Is this the day for the British Bulldog? Yes, it is the day for the British Bulldog. Because the warlord says, I can't break his full Nelson. I say I can and will. Davey boy, remember, it's a doggy dog world, so you be prepared, you're about to be devoured. They're mean, and they're nasty, and they're gonna become the next World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. They're the nasty boys. The time is now, the time is now, our foundation. Your time has come, and it's nasty. We don't think you're nasty, we think you're scum. And when you step in the ring with the Heart Foundation, you gotta have heart. And that's exactly what you don't have to take the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Belt from the Heart Foundation. Mr. Perfect, you have to step in the ring with me. No more chances for appeal. Stay of executions are up. You're gonna make a perfect example that grab does not pay. I have all the tools it takes to be a champion. I have Bobby the Brain Heenan in my corner. I have the right body. I have the right looks. I have the ability. I am what I say I am. Hulk Hogan! I am the new ruler of the World Wrestling Federation. You are playing by my rules now. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, Sergeant Slaughter, that I'll be the new champion, and you'll just be a victim of Twilight's last creeping. Thank you, Hulk Hogan. Let's get back to action. Welcome to the WrestleMania House Show, number seven. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. My name is Joey. My name is Chris. All right, Chris. We're seven WrestleManias in. How you feeling? I'm good. Good. Yeah. This is, what was it, Superstars and Stripes Forever was yeah, the theme? Yeah, very American theme, this, at number seven, just all over the place, beginning to end. Yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah. This was the first, uh, it's actually, I think, one of the first pay-per-views they offered out for free. Oh, uh, yeah. To the Armed Forces Network, uh, they've gotcha. they've done quite a few, like about a half dozen at this point. Because yeah. they were sending them out as early as even like Survivor Series, maybe even earlier than that. Mm. 
the year before. So, of course, uh, yeah, and the whole L.A. sports arena is covered in uh, old-timey uh, United States garb. You remember, like, oh, it kind of looks like it because it's colonial stuff. It's, that's what it looks like. Yeah, like the the old like original like uh, American flag. Yeah, yeah. Did they go to like Family Dollar or something like yeah, that? Yeah, because it's like General? it's like the circle like stars yeah. and yeah, it's weird looking. But yeah, yeah that's just because they probably didn't have enough room on the, on the. But whatever. Just imagine if they had to cover the original place with all that, the uh, Memorial Coliseum. Right. What the hell that would have been, right? Yeah. Well, you, it's not at the Col- Coliseum. They're not like what was it. 70 uh, plus thousand that they were expecting? They were, they were expecting uh, almost 100,000. 100,000, yeah, yeah, something like that. And uh, I, I guess I, I did find out, I think that the, the LA Sports Arena is like literally right next door to the Coliseum. Mm. So that's a good thing. Let's yeah. say you bought a ticket like right away, and I think the tickets probably did say the right. Coliseum. Yeah. So people showing up going, hey, I'm early. Yeah. I'm, Where is, is everybody? It, is, it, is it next week? <laughs> um,. But and the it, actual attendance um, is was sixteen thousand one hundred and fifty-eight people. Ooh, one wow. of the lowest attended. That's I don't think it's the lowest, but it's it might be actually. It's pretty low. I wonder what the morale was like, considering that they just played Sky Dome the year before to a massive audience. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, this is you know for I know for my friends growing up at this time, this is kind of the beginning of the decline as far as them not watching as much and really? a lot of people. It kind of got out. The public kind of got out. This yeah, point, you know. And well, no, I, I was thinking that I was still watching, and I, I still had a few years left before yeah. I I wasn't watching as much. But this was March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. Wow, I was just uh, I was twelve years old. I was about to turn eleven in two yeah. days. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know they opened up the show. The dark match of the evening was Coco Beware defeating the Brooklyn Brawler. Nice. That'd have been a lot of fun to see. But uh, that that is not our first match that we saw that night. Uh, was uh, we start off uh, America the Beautiful or America uh, the Beautiful? Is it America the Beautiful? Yep. Okay. By Willie Nelson. All right. Yeah, it was good. Good old Willie. Yeah. Yeah. He turned eighty this year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so but he, he was, still he was looks, old even then. He still looks exactly the same. Yeah. You know. So I like Willie Nelson. I don't think I. I think Aretha is still at the top of the uh, the singing gauntlet, I guess, yeah. for WrestleManias, but. Yes, but Willie definitely overtakes Rock and Robin on our list yes, for sure. Yes. And a rough sketch list we <laughs> yeah. have for the opener. Uh, anything else of note before the first match kicks off, Chris? Uh, just a lot of stars and stripes and fireworks and explosions. Oh. And Mr. Stars and Stripes comes yeah, out yeah, to yeah. do color commentary. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan, yeah. since he's not booked, they, they they found a place for him, which is nice. I mean, how can you not have Hacksaw on this show? Yeah, of all he's shows? all decked out with like his weird, his Uncle Sam get up. Looking yeah. in the big long coat, and it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty ridiculous outfit, yeah. but he was—he seemed very into it, and you know, of course, played it up. It's and the USA WrestleMania, of course, he's going to be into it. Yeah, and and the reason being, they needed an extra color color. Co- they needed an extra color commentator for this particular match because uh, Bobby Heenan is going to be the color commentator for most of the evening's festivities, but yeah. he's going to have a couple of matches that he's got to be at ringside for. So they. They uh they got some people in there to to assist right and that was hacksaw for the first match opening match is uh I think potentially one of the better openers we've had so far in the series yeah it's really good um it was uh, Haku and the Barbarian of course with uh, Bobby Heenan versus the Rockers uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty yeah and I actually remember the build up very well for the show very well actually this is uh you know watching every week consistent 
and Bobby Heenan being color commentator on Superstars and stuff like that, every weekend for like a whole month, he just kept laughing, and it was usually during a Rockers match especially, but he just kept laughing at the fact that Haku and the Barbarian are facing the Rockers yeah. at WrestleMania. And he goes, it's not even going to last a minute. They're going to kill him. Not even a minute. And I remember even the last second of the last show before WrestleMania, his last word was, not even a minute. <laughs> but this match went on for much longer than a minute. Yeah, it was it was a good, decent length match, and... Um, of course, the Rockers, I mean, all those guys in there are good. I mean, Haku Solid, and yeah. Barbarian are underrated, I think, very much so. Uh-huh. And, of course, the Rockers, everybody loves the Rockers. So. Yeah. Best team never to win the WWF tag team titles? Maybe. I, I don't think there's an argument. I mean, they've got to be the top of the teams that's never won. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have our personal favorites, but right. I think the Rockers got to be there, number one. Yeah. Uh, fun match. Great tag team moves on both ends. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, this is interesting, too, because uh, this is the last WrestleMania match for the Rockers. They're going to split up after this. Oh, yeah. And Shawn Michaels is, is going to be on his way yep. right afterwards. And and uh, But, yeah, I'd, so you know what's weird is that Shawn Michaels becomes Mr. WrestleMania. Marty Jannetty, this is his last WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, so Chris, it's about that time. If you're if you're a fan of the Where Are They Now segment so far in WrestleMania House Show, settle back, settle in. This is the this is the episode for you because there's going to be a lot of them. Yeah. So this almost it's this almost should be the end of an era. Yeah, it's not changing of the guard, but but there's a lot of them. So we're going to start off here. Marty Jannetty, actually, you know, uh, you you probably even know a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about here, Chris. Uh, About a year, uh, two years after this, they do the whole breakup angle with the Rockers. Uh, Janetti comes back and actually challenges Shawn Michaels for the title after he's back from his barbershop window in the Intercontinental title. Yeah, yeah, he won the Intercontinental title in their first meeting and it dropped it actually about a week or two later, thanks to Diesel helping Shawn out. Ah. So, but Janetti winning the Intercontinental title, that's a big deal. Yeah. And like I said, Rockers never won the tag titles, but Janetti did win the tag title eventually on January 1994 with the 1 2 3 kid as his mm-hmm. partner. But then they would lose it in about a week or two back to the Quebecers. So, you know, it's like, Gennady, he'll hold the title for a week or two, yeah. but uh, that defense is a little tricky. Uh, trying to bring back a formidable tag team like the Rockers and calling it the New Rockers went over about yeah. as well as New Coke. Yeah. Leif Cassidy, a.k.a. Al Snow. Hey, they tried their best, but it just didn't work. Uh, af- after that... Uh, Janetti goes to WCW, 1998 is pretty much his year that he's there. I remember catching a few nitros and seeing him job out. I seeing one. Yeah, he I would mean, uh, he would work the cruiserweight division almost uh, exclusively. Oh, right. and, and it was interesting, the two matches I saw of his in WCW went on like a long time. They were like two-segment matches, but they weren't really that important. So, you know, yeah. it's like, well, Janetti will give you a, a good long match and he'll put a guy over. So that was pretty much his role in WCW. So it's it's not very eventful. Yeah. Uh, what was very eventful, on my birthday in 2005, there was a Rockers reunion on <laughs> Raw. Yeah. And I could, uh, I mean, that was, that made me so happy. Yeah, that was cool. That was a great night, too, because I remember that was the same night that Jake the Snake came back. So that, oh, was, yeah. that was a big show for me. Yeah. So uh, the Rockers come back, they fight La Resistance, and, and they win. And that's during the whole week of the build-up to Mania yeah. and the Kurt Angle bit with Shawn Michaels gearing up for 21. Yeah. And Jannetty wrestles Kurt Angle yeah, that I remember that match really well. Isn't, well. That was a great I match. I think probably anybody that saw it does because it got him a deal. Yeah. 
got him a deal. He was supposed to come in and basically... Uh, I, I'm kind of fuzzy on whether or not it was 05 or 06 because he was around both uh, years right. for a couple of months. But he got hired at some point to be a trainer for the young guys, and yeah. they were going to kind of take the cruiserweight division seriously again. But <laughs> that didn't happen, and that didn't happen. Right. Uh, a lot of it was because, you know, it's 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 no secret that uh, Marty had his issues, but apparently he couldn't travel yeah. and leave the state. So that that's kind of what killed his yeah, deal, apparently. That's not going to work out. Yeah, very sad. But uh, he actually came back in 2006 to do that Vince McMahon-Shawn Michaels storyline, which was a crazy, ridiculous storyline, but Janetti mm. had a big hand in that, and since he wasn't going to be able to sign full-time, apparently they were going to kind of maybe do a few more Rockers matches against oh, yeah. Shane and Vince, mm. which was supposedly the original plan, but then when that fell apart, it turned into the DX reunion. Right. So oh, Marty okay. actually kicked off the DX reunion. Right. So, yeah. A uh, couple of other appearances, basically, uh, remember he came back and wrestled The Miz in 09, because... Mm. He was going to prove that he was better than Janetti from his tag team right. by beating Janetti, yeah. uh, which was the whole I'm Sean, you're Marty right. catchphrase now that's yeah. so infamous. Uh, currently, up, Marty Janetti works for Chikara. <laughs> and nice. he trains, uh, he helps train, and he did participate in the tag team gauntlet, which he won with his former tag team champion partner, the 1-2-3 kid. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. What a happy ending. Yeah. I like it. So Yeah, I always liked Marty. You know, yeah. I mean I was never a huge Genetti fan. I can't I can't really remember that well his singles career right after the Rockers and him challenging Sean. Right. So I don't really remember a whole bunch of those like early Raws and like that era. Right. So yeah. I remember being so elated that he beat Sean because I didn't yeah. think he could beat him. Right. So that was that was really cool. And that was one of that is still one of the best matches. In the history of Monday Night Raw, yeah, for sure. Go, go check it out. But wait, we're not done, Chris. Before we get yeah. into the next match, we have to say goodbye to Haku and the Barbarian as well. Yes. And the cool thing is, their careers parallel quite a bit. So this is almost kind of a two for one. Where are they now? Yeah. But we'll start with Barbarian. He left for WCW the year after this, 1992. Was in a stable. I remember this actually with Tony Atlas and Cactus Jack as the brainchild. <laughs> and. He actually got his first ever world title shot on a pay-per-view against Ron Simmons, Halloween Havoc 1992. He never won the title, but he was one of Simmons' biggest challengers during nice. his initial run. Very cool. And uh, I thought that was cool that he finally got his due. Some people criticized the move, but I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, he actually, it's funny, the Barbarian has the distinction of retiring two different WCW titles during its history. He was the last ever United States Tag Team Champion with Dick Slater, of all people. That's a crazy title. Yeah. And he also retired the Hardcore Championship in nah. the early 2000s yeah. of WCW. Uh, going back here a little bit, uh, I totally forgot this, but I was watching at the time, so this must have been pretty forgettable. He came back to WWF in 1994 as a new head shrinker, along with Fatu, as his partner, Sione. And huh. basically looked almost exactly the same as he did as the original Barbarian gimmick with the makeup. Right. And I guess they teamed for a little bit. I mean, they didn't do anything hardly, but yeah. I totally forgot that. I don't remember that at all. But then, the next year, 1995, goes back to WCW, <laughs> and he is the super assassin. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but then right after that, almost, he joins Faces of Fear, which is headed up by Kevin Sullivan, to which he is reunited with Haku yeah. as the Faces of Fear. And they team for, like, years, but they never held the tag titles. Yeah. So I was kind of mad they never did that for him, but that was during the whole... NWO power thing. Oh, so yeah. It's like they didn't really have much of a shot. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to save the happy ending a little bit here for the end of Haku's. Haku went to Japan after this mania. Uh, there was a fed called Super World of Sports. Have you ever heard of that? It sounds familiar. I'm not, very, I'm not yeah. familiar with it, though, no. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, won the tag team titles with a gentleman by the name of uh, Yosiaki Yatsu, I believe is his oh, name. Nice. Uh, went to WCW 95, yeah. Faces of Fear, Dungeon of Doom stuff, won the hardcore title. Uh, actually, he won the hardcore title at the Sin pay-per-view in 2001, just before WCW closed up. And there's that whole infamous thing. The week after he won the hardcore title, he was a surprise entrant at the WWE yeah. Royal Rumble 2001. That was so cool. I remember that. What I wasn't surprise. as familiar with him at the time, though, but I knew that I knew him from WCW. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's Ming. I yeah. think is what they were calling him at the time. And he had he had gotten so large, I mean, like yeah. in that kind of Pacific And his hair was just all over the place. Yeah. yeah, so people probably didn't even realize that was King Haku, or at least yeah. a lot of people probably didn't. Uh, but they. Uh, this is interesting, because this, this ties in well with the Barbarian. In 2012, we already mentioned Chikara, but they came back and did King of Trios. Mm. It was Haku, the Barbarian, and the Warlord. <laughs> So the Barbarian got to be with his two yeah. most famous tag team partners in King of Trios. I That's thought cool. that was really cool. I'd love to see that. Yeah. So, Adam, I'm sure you've got that footage, so I, I would love to see it. Uh, currently, the Barbarian, he has a wife and seven kids okay. and owns a small construction company in Charlotte, North Carolina. Cool. Haku currently works. Oh, this is interesting. Haku has a son currently in WWE. You might know him by the name of Camacho. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So his his son is named Tavita officially, uh-huh. but his son is Camacho. I didn't know that either. Until I would never have made that connection. Exactly. Uh, he currently manages a car spa in Florida. <laughs> you can actually find a commercial for it on YouTube a with him spa. on there. Yeah, it, it, it's a big fancy car wash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> spa. It's like granola and trail mix. Fancy <laughs> name. A little more expensive. Uh, all right. Yeah, so you can charge more for the spa. Sure. Um. So yeah, and all that that match. I don't even think we mentioned it, but the Rockers won that match. Yeah, ended up uh, pinning Haku. But yeah, oh, yeah high cross body, right? Yeah, because yeah, it was instead of doing the like double drop kick like the Rockers had done, where they continually miss it at WrestleMania, yeah. they just did yeah. a drop kick and then a cross body from two different sides, and they, and Sean got the victory. And that was smart. See, they yeah. evolved the idea. Yeah, you know, so. and then they were done. Yeah. Um, and then next up, we get to see some of the celebrity guests for WrestleMania 7. Yeah. There was a lot of celebrities that year, um, and most of them weren't even participants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we have the official ones here, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Regis Philbin, Marla Maples, and Alex Trebek. Yeah. And I noticed that, I, I guess she was married to Trump at the time, because yeah. Trump's in the front row. Yeah, he pointed that out. Yeah. yeah. So he is like his... His eyes are, like, obscured the whole time, but you could totally see the hair. Yeah. And yeah. He's, there's a dude with a suit in the front row. It's yeah. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So, so He's been in a lot of WrestleManias, then. Yeah, so that would be his... I think it's four total altogether. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so they just did their thing. Uh, next matchup was Dino Bravo with Jimmy Hart versus the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. All right. 
And uh, unfortunately, this is Carrie's only WrestleMania. Yeah. It's one of one of my all-time faves. And unfortunately, the match isn't all that great either, in yeah. my opinion. Two two guys that I really like, and they yeah. just have a very microwave television-esque match. They that wouldn't have even made the main event of Superstars. No, they didn't seem to mesh very well. No. So, I don't know, nothing I don't much know to say about was. it. Yeah, but like, like you, I've said before, Dino Bravo hated him at the time, but I loved watching his matches. Yeah. And now I know why. And I love the Texas Tornado, Carrie yeah. and Eric. I mean, because we were from Texas, so of yeah. course you have to love the Von Eric family. Yeah. But I just really liked him, you know. Uh, one thing I will say that I absolutely hated about Carrie's run, besides the promos, because he had to talk like he was an actual tornado. <laughs> right. However, like, the Iron Claw is like law down here. Right. And the fact that it wasn't the finisher in WWF, I yeah. think it's maddening because yeah. he puts the claw on him. Which apparently makes you retarded for ten seconds, right? And then you set up for the discus punch. Yeah. So a close fist punch sure. as the punch. finisher. Yeah. He's not. He's not the big show. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, there was no big show at the time. Yeah, but I, I realize, but it, does, saying, it just yeah. doesn't work. It. I. I agree. But he, uh, that all being said, it was enough to put away Dino Bravo at a WrestleMania. Yeah. One punch and he's done. You know. Punch. So, yeah. Punch. Uh. And this isn't going to take nearly as long, but unfortunately, this is also Carrie and Dino's last appearance at WrestleMania, yeah. and under horrible circumstances. But yeah. Carrie did have a little bit of a run after this. Uh, you, you're probably very familiar with this. Probably you want to talk about we were talking about King of Trios earlier. No. Put this in all-time King of Trios at SummerSlam '91, match made in heaven, match made in hell. The opening match, remember, was a six-man of Slicks guys, the Warlord and Power and Glory, versus. Texas Tornado, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and the British Bulldog. <laughs> Isn't that not one of the greatest oh. three-man teams ever? Yeah. And uh, also later on that year in Survivor Series 91, he was actually on a team. He has a distinction of being on one of the few Survivor Series team where the entire team survives. Huh. So I think there's about five of them maybe total. Uh, his last appearance in WWE was actually at the Royal Rumble 1992, and ironically enough, I believe he was eliminated by Ric Flair the man who he defeated years earlier for the NWA World Heavyweight title. He went back to Dallas and wrestled at USWF, actually, at the same place that World Class used to hold their shows at the Sportatorium. USWF became global after that, Global Wrestling Federation. His last match was teaming with one of his on-again, off-again rivals, Chris Adams, uh, versus Johnny Mantell and Black Bart. Sadly, on February 18th, 1993, I remember this very well, I was in junior high, uh, Carrie committed suicide, and that was all she wrote. On a up note, uh, myself and Chris had the very honorable distinction of being in the building when he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2009 by his greatest rival of all time, Michael P.S.A.'s. Yeah. Uh, So that was great. I'm so glad I was there for that. And, uh, uh, this is really weird because considering that their, you know, their last WrestleMania appearances, uh, this was it for Dino basically in WWE. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they did some house shows later on that in the fall in Canada, and for the only time ever in Dino's run, he wrestled as a babyface mm. versus the Mountie. They did a series of yeah. matches at some house shows, and he actually wrestled the Mountie at all those shows, and he was the good guy. Wow. Only time that ever happened. That's great. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you can look this up yourself, but Dino uh, just got involved in some 
with some shady characters. Yeah. And uh, let's just say uh, life of crime is no way to go, kids. Uh, he died of multiple gunshots uh, March 10th, 1993. So he actually died less than a month after Carrie did. Wow. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris, uh, let's get into some positivity. Get me out of here. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tornado did win that match, by the way. Yeah, uh, we talked about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, after that, go to the back. Sean Mooney's back there. He's got the Warlord and Slick. Oh, he gets uh, to, uh, He doesn't have to be in the crowd this time? Yeah. <laughs> at least not right now, right? No, at least not now. Oh. Um, so, yeah, Slick is awesome. So, oh, yeah. oh <laughs> that that might You know what? That might be promo of the night. Yeah. yeah. Let me know if, it, if anything else comes up. I think you can go ahead and award that. That was my favorite promo. Yeah of the night and uh that was great man <laughs> totally great um and then the british bulldog is out there he has winston the yeah the replacement yeah, bulldog the replacement yeah bulldog. <laughs> so and i uh, mean gene is get a is get a, get a mail this time all right so. <laughs> um and then so of course the next matchup is warlord with slick versus the british bulldog yeah it's a and good match yeah, which I, I'm glad it was a good match because this was the second match in the history of WrestleMania so far that revolved around the full Nelson yeah. as who does it better. Right. I swear to you that's what happened. And thankfully, unlike the Hercules-Billy Jerk Haynes match, it was good. Thank you for bringing that up, Chris. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I forgot how much I actually liked this yeah, match. I don't good... know if I ever remember enjoying it, but I really did this time around. Yeah, it was a really good big man match. Yeah. The full Nelson was in it, but it wasn't the centerpiece and it didn't end the match. You know, so. <laughs> and somebody didn't barf on someone's shoulder. <laughs> right. But, so we got a nice, yeah, it was one of the better big men matches I think they've had so far in WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a lot of fun and I believe uh, Bulldog got the Duke. Yes, he with did. The running power slam, correct? Yes, he did. Right. And I was, I was a huge fan of the British Bulldogs and of Davy Boy himself afterwards yeah. and on and on and on. So absolutely. Well, unfortunately, that was all she wrote for the Warlord at WrestleMania. Uh just very briefly, uh, there's not actually a lot for him wrestling wise. Yeah. He wrestled literally about twice for WCW nineteen ninety six. Uh he was in a car accident after those two matches oh. where he received a neck injury. <laughs> They said he got, uh, uh, well, the only thing I could find out was on Wikipedia, they said he got sideswiped by a pizza delivery car or something, <laughs> or a truck. All right. So we got a neck injury. It forced him into retirement, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has tried to have a couple of comebacks since then. In 2001, he literally was training, ready, back to the ring. Then he got into a motorcycle accident. Wow. Had to retire again. Uh, after that, he was like, you know what? I, I, you know, I'm in good shape still. So he's like, this is great. Smart idea. I'm going to be a bodyguard. So he kind of turns into a bodyguard for a couple of stars here. Uh, he's actually worked for 50 Cent. And most recently, Kembo Slice, who Kembo was impressed enough by him that his nickname in his crew was The Wall because nothing moves on him. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've seen him in action. So, yeah, he's, yeah. he's dead on about that. But I love that. And I've probably said it before on the house show before, but Vince McMahon always singles out the Warlord as having the all-time best body in the history of pro wrestling. Mm. And as an added bonus, he said, I I wish the Warlord could have drawn money because he never failed one single drug test in the history of the company. So that's something to be very proud of. Very good genetics. Yeah, I mean, that is just ridiculous. Uh, He's had a few comebacks here in their 03, 04 
Uh, but he also wrestled at the first Wrestle Reunion. So I need mm. to get out to one of those because I'm yeah. sure I would have a blast with that. Yeah. So there you go. A little Warlord action. We talked about that Chikara thing too yeah. already. So. And I, I don't even remember Slick actually being out for the Pride and Glory match later. So I'm just, while I'm thinking about it, I'm going to go ahead and do Slick. Where are they now on him? And you, you know what's really interesting? After this run, he he stayed with the company, which I don't think anybody has ever done this, especially in WWE. He wound up becoming a boarding and Christian, and even he went beyond that and became an ordained minister, but stayed in WWF. Hmm. And I remember very well, like throughout like primetime wrestling segments and superstar segments, he would actually have a sermon oh, yeah. on the show. I have a little time for that. Yeah. I remember right. uh, them saying that Vince and Gorilla and people like that would go go to his church, and I've seen photos, pictures to prove huh. it. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's made a few appearances. You might remember on Raw 1000, yeah. he was the minister for yeah. Daniel and AJ's wedding yeah. that, that didn't happen, of course, like it never happens in wrestling. Uh, he, uh, you know, like I said, just some of the sporadic appearances, really. All the old school Raws, he's going to be there. He, right. had the cam- he, he has a cameo at, like, WrestleMania 23, but I, I don't think enough to where I'm going to be like, oh, I'll remember right. that, you yeah. know. But, like I said, ordained minister, uh, not too far from us here, Chris, if you're in Longview, Texas, <laughs> and if you want to go see Slick do his thing on the pulpit, that's where you go. All right, I'll let you know. Yeah, a little, little slick, actually. Yeah, if I'm ever going to go again, yeah. it's going to be there. Anyway. That's, I'm sure he puts on a good show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so now my favorite part of the show, the Nasty Boys are up next. <laughs> uh, hey, but, I mean, it's it's very yin-yang. You're going to get the Nasty Boys, but you also get one of the greatest tag teams ever. True, true. Um but yeah, so the Nasty Boys are in the back. Uh, Gene, Mean Gene is talking to him. So I don't like anything in this picture right, right now. And Mean Gene yeah. deserves this by your uh, yeah. opinion. So. Yeah, they deserve each other. I just <laughs> don't want them on my TV. And then after that, the the Hart Foundation, um, Jim Neidhart is like screaming. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Bret Hart's real low-key, but then Jim is just... Uh, he seemed more so than he usually is. He's just over the top. Just really hyped up for this. Literally movie. screaming at the camera. Yeah. So And Sean Mooney's there with them, so... But that's leading up to the uh, tag team title match, the Nasty Boys versus uh, the Hart Foundation. Yes, for the tag team titles. And I think they even, a uh, little Macaulay Culkin cameo in the crowd right, <laughs> yeah. right when the match starts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, contrast and styles there be. Uh, yeah. You couldn't get two more different tag teams ever. You know, I mean, I guess Neidhart's a little more on par, but at least Neidhart is crisp to watch in the yeah. ring. You know, yeah. he's, he's considered a brawler and a he's power a bruiser, wrestler. But, yeah, but he could wrestle. Nasty boys, they've they've never learned how to wrestle still to this day. So yeah, right. <laughs> so as you can imagine, Brett took the mo. He was pretty much he was the ring general, and he pretty much carried the match. Yeah. So. Um, and it ends up being um, Nobs ends up getting the pin on. Jim Neidhart, so yeah, but thanks to Jimmy Hart's motorcycle yeah. crash helmet, yeah, the nasty boy helmet he was wearing. So. Yeah, the, this match, uh, no pun intended, broke my heart when I was a kid because I was big fan of the Hart Foundation. Was so yeah, glad they too. finally got the tag titles back from Demolition that last summer. Yeah, and then uh, they go into WrestleMania and they lose into the freaking nasty boys. Yep. 
Always I, hated him. Always I, hated him. I will never forgive them. <laughs> still, <laughs> never still, forgive them to this it's day. obvious in my vo- in our voices. We're still upset about this. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's sure. a good match, and the the fact that it does bring out that in us, it's going to rank pretty well because it was yeah, it was a good tag team match. Yeah. So we had big tag tag title switch, and you know this is actually uh, apparently the last match ever for the Hart Foundation. Hmm. So this was it for them. Well. Oh, and one other thing of note, there's a story that went around, I think it was on like All Day Long 2000 for WrestleMania. Yeah. They talked about the Nasty Boys apparently partied just a little too much at the Mania after party and was hanging out with Willie. And you know what that means when you hang out with Willie, right? I don't have to tell Uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. And supposedly, I'm not sure which one, but one of the Nasty Boys felt so inclined to either gift... Willie Nelson this, or maybe he just left it on his bus. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the tag titles. Problem was, they had to shoot TV the next day and do yeah. main event, because I remember this, they defend against the Bushwhackers. But this was like, it was on TV like two or three weeks later. Yeah. But apparently they taped it like the next night. Yeah. And they showed up with one belt. <laughs> and they were like, guess what, guys? You're going to go to the ring with one belt and look stupid. And that's what they did that night. I totally remember that. And wow. I was like, how come they only have one belt? <laughs> and I'm so glad that mystery was solved yeah. like years later on one of those retrospectives. Awesome. So there's that. <laughs> but the hearts still are, are have lost. Yeah. yeah. So my world is destroyed. And weirdly enough, even though Jim Neidhart, would, you'd see him around here and there, this was his last appearance at WrestleMania. Wow. Uh, sadly, the Who gimmick didn't get over enough to garner a WrestleMania appearance. Don't oh, don't ask me about. Who. I oh, never mind. Okay, yeah, you you know about it though. Yeah, Ugh. I I didn't make that connection until just now. So thank yeah. you for that. I'll yeah, leave it there. Uh, let's 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 definitely <laughs> leave it there. Uh, Nineheart actually did get injured around that year, uh, shortly after WrestleMania, where uh, you were talking about uh, how how. Uh, how much of a presence he had as a talker. Yeah. Well, Vince turned that into him being one of the new color commentators, which was kind of a revolving door at that time yeah. because Perfect did it, and uh, DiBiase did it for a while. I remember that. And uh, But Neidhart was one of the first to do it. And I remember that especially because the first time Bobby Heenan went off camera, they did that, remember they did that thing where they're actually, it's a green screen, but it looks like they're in the arena. Remember oh, yeah, that whole yeah, thing yeah. they used to do on the weekend shows? Yeah. So Gorilla and Neidhart are talking about something, and then Heenan's like, I got something for you guys. And this blew my mind. Heenan goes off camera for a second and brings back the 10 pounds of gold, the NWA oh. World Heavyweight title. And he goes, I just got this in the mail from the real world's champion, Ric Flair. Huh. And then Gorilla and Neidhart look at each other like thoroughly like, what? And then the, the TV show ends. And I was yeah. just like... Oh my God! What is going on here? I mean, because this is all pre-internet. Yeah. You know, PWI is you know two months behind. Yeah. And I'm just finding out like that. I just remember yeah. Neidhart giving the most crazed look. Like <laughs> what? So that I still remember that. I've never yeah. seen it since, but I still remember that segment. That's awesome. Um, Neidhart competed with his new tag team partner Owen Hart in the New Foundation. Nice. They had a little appearance at Royal Rumble 1992. He did go to WCW very briefly in 93, but it's not very eventful at all. Yeah, I kind of um, He went back later on in the 90s, actually. But yeah. more importantly, uh, he came back and they had a great run in 1997 with the new revamped Hart Foundation. Yeah. Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Davey Boy, 
Owen, and Brian Pillman. Yeah. Just one of the best gangs ever. Yeah. And so that was cool. And Neidhart was a big part of that. And I remember he got written off of, you know, after Brett left, after the Montreal bit. And actually, Jim pretty much followed him after that. But yeah. Not before they could do this bit where he was going to join DX. I remember that as, yeah, as their enforcer. Like yeah, I was really, I was totally pissed at him for doing that yeah. to him because he kind of he sold out to kind of keep his job. Yeah. But then at the end, they just beat him up at the end and they yeah. sent him back in. And it seemed like they were just like making fun of him and making it look stupid just to yeah. get back at Brett, just to be petty. Yeah, it did reek of that for sure. Uh, but Neidhart did show up for Raw's 15th anniversary where it was in an old school battle royal, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. He had a little cameo in TNA in 2009. Uh, I think it was actually like for Jay Lethal or something like that. Yeah, when he was... I think he yeah. was wrestling He was wrestling people. like... like yeah. um, I don't remember who all, but he was doing like kind of the Heath Slater thing that yeah. he did a few years later. Yeah. Or a year or two, whatever, where he was wrestling all the like... Um, legends. Old school legends. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, you know, currently Neidhart uh, has a wife and three daughters, and of course you might know one of those daughters very well, of course. Yes. Natalia, current diva, and uh, the best wrestler the company has by a mile, I think, at this point. Yeah, on TV, yeah. <laughs> on TV, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there's a little Jim Neidhart action there nice. for you. Big fan of the Anvil, always happy. Yeah, always I always like Jim. Yeah. yeah, of course, I mean, it helped his associations. But oh, for yeah. sure, for sure, yeah. I think he understands that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right. Next up is a match that I'm. We have a very different opinion about this next match. Oh yeah. Um, it's uh, Rick Martel versus Jake Snake Roberts, and that's yeah. fine because I like those guys. Right. I w- would love both those guys. This is actually one of the best feud buildups, I, in my opinion, of all time. Yeah, and the reason that. What you just said makes me hate this match this much more. It's a blindfold match. They both have these bags over their heads. If you've never seen a blindfold match, they have had them occasionally, because I know, uh, like, they did it on this last year on TV, like, twice. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, blindfold match. Go ahead. Um, well, like I said, this is this is one of my favorite feuds as a kid. I absolutely detested Rick Martel for blinding Jake the Snake Roberts. Right. So the whole point of the match is you have to live in my world now, Martell. I'm going to bring you in uh-huh. I to get my it. world and you have to face me and, and atone for what you did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I realize the match is not great, but no. it's never it had never been done before. I mean, it had never been done on a national scale to this point. It's yeah, on, but that doesn't mean it's going to be good. Did the, Have the boxing match with Piper ever been done on a, that scale before? No. Was that any good? That's not great. <laughs> That's how I feel the about The promos are better. Yeah, it's exactly the same. <laughs> ah, damn it. Oh, you're making me turn around on uh, this thing. I remember liking this, too, when I was a kid. I, don't, I, mean, br- I don't mean to like bash it that much, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I just think that there was such intensity and one of the main things with Jake Roberts is you look in his eyes and you can see that intensity and you can't see his eyes in this match and it's a comedy match. It, it and does it, turn into a comedy it match for, for a feud that has nothing to do with comedy. Exactly. It should it should have been right. like really intense and it turned into comedic and Roberts didn't get he won the match but he didn't get the revenge that he, he wanted. Yeah, he got like two moves on him yeah. to beat him yeah. and then that was it. And, this, and Damian barely played a factor even though he got him on there a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But that, to, yeah. You know what? Damn it! You, you are you are kind of. <laughs> I don't mean me to around. like crush your childhood. But. No, no, it's okay because 
I, I gave you all the re- I gave you all the fuel you needed, and you're you're right, man. I'm going to go on record. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it, right. The, the match should have. I mean, this should have culminated in like a cage match with snakes surrounding the ring, you know, or I mean something. I mean, it yeah. should have been intense, right? And yeah, it's a comedy match, and yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not that great. It's not. You have to rely to on the crowd, and of course, the crowd is going to do what you expect. Yeah, he's not. They're not going to help the heel, and they're going to help the baby face. Right. But then they're going to get mixed signals. The ref almost gets hit a couple of yeah. times. Uh, the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I understand. It's not a great match, but it has it does have a little bit of historical significance. So that's what it has going for it. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but Jake the Snake wins. I, yeah. I think he actually, uh, as some, he definitely does get him with the DDT. Yeah. That I do know. Yeah. I seem to remember that. <laughs> We were, we were debating the match more so yeah. than watching it to yeah. a point, but yeah, we didn't really need to watch it that well. <laughs> oh uh, boy! So yeah, but that was his last win at a WrestleMania. I know that. Oh, spoiler! But yeah, of course. Yeah, dude, his opponent's going to be the Undertaker next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, next matchup is uh, Jimmy Snuka versus the Undertaker. Ah, uh, yes. And this is the the first of many. This is it. This is. It begins here, Chris. It does. It's uh, who I, who'd have thought that the, just this little little match? It really was just no more than a television squash. Yeah, uh, becomes something so much more. And you know, I don't think they could have foreseen obviously what this was going to be. And apparently, if you believe if you believe what you read and what you've heard from people in interviews that have been in the company, you know, even the, even the directors and producers and Vince, yeah, they didn't even like plan the Undertaker streak. They well, no. little how could you? But in the sense of like even when they got to like six, seven, yeah. whatever, they didn't even realize that it had been going yeah. on. You know, because nobody said anything. <laughs> even then, I mean it's still something that you can't really say, well he's gonna keep doing this for yeah. thirteen more years, you know. Yeah. It definitely became more of a thing, I'd say by the tenth, nine or ten. Yeah. You because know, it, it definitely they made a point about it especially when you, you know yeah, yeah, you start to realize it and then it became more than anything else. Yeah. Okay, that's what it came about. But I think it's most noted for, uh, you know, I would say the top five most popular wrestlers of all time, I don't think there's a doubt that The Undertaker gets to be in there. Oh, yeah. After Hogan, Flair, Austin, The Rock, I think he's number five, man. I would have to say so, because, I mean, he's... Anybody that's watched between 91 and now... You yeah. know the Undertaker, yeah. and you know that he's he's always been, pretty much always been at the top, really. Yeah. And and just to just to even for you know put that fact more further, like those the two people right below him are probably like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, right? That's how I mean that. The, but yeah. the crowd reaction is what I'm trying to say. He's so popular, and when you hear that bell now at WrestleMania, it's just like yeah. massive. But at seven, we're in a different world, yeah. and. He he's almost getting no reaction. Yeah, there wasn't anything really. Yeah, and, and I I like that they sold it that that was supposed to that was supposed to happen. Yeah, like he wasn't supposed to get a People reaction. People just weren't sure what to think. Yeah, really. And the the kids are they're not booing. Yeah, a lot of them aren't even they won't even look at them. Yeah, and or they're just like staring, and they don't know what to think. Yeah, and I didn't know what to think. Either. I was I felt the same at the time probably that I can remember. I mean, yeah. I remember I remember the Undertaker really well, oh, God, but yeah. I don't remember 
liking or disliking him, honestly. Yeah. It was just, you were, it's like a, it was like a horror movie. You were yeah. drawn to watch it. You just like this force that you know bad stuff's going to happen when he comes out. Yeah. And he didn't really do anything that made him despicable until, no. until he locked the warrior in the casket. Yeah. That was, that was the big thing for me. I, I, that left such an impression on me. And like I think it actually gave it might have actually given me nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a it was so realistic looking when when I was that age when it happened. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. It's like you can't breathe in there. And yeah. you locked him in there, you saw him twist the yeah. thing and he was he was in there, man. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, but yeah but, this is this is him on that initial run. And yeah, and it's pretty it's by the numbers Undertaker. He got he hit all the hits, he wins with the tombstone. So. Yeah. yeah. And you know I had it's like not a bad say, match, but yeah, yeah. I'd like to say Snuka deserved better, but they weren't doing anything with him at yeah. the time anyway. So yeah. you know, he got to be on a pay per view and probably get some, a couple extra bucks. <laughs> right, good for him. Yeah, this wouldn't be his last appearance either. But you're, it's going to be quite a while before I talk about Snuka again. Yeah, but he'll be back. Yeah, yes, he will. And so will Undertaker, and of course Paul Bearer. Yes. And moving right along, uh, next up is a really good match. From one guy that you would expect and have come to expect, and another one surprisingly you've come to expect at WrestleMania. Who's that? Then? It's, uh, Macho King, of course. You expect a great match every time, and the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Who you wouldn't, but everyone we've talked about, he's had good matches. Yeah. So uh, for the most part. A, yeah. Good opponents. Uh, last that goes to a long. That's yeah. pretty much, I would say, why. Yeah. You know, because, you know, at that time, Hogan was no slouch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, Rick Rude at five made him look as, as good as humanly possible. Yeah. But, yeah, this one, I remember watching the, you know, the, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And somebody brought it up somewhere. I don't remember who said it, but they were like, Macho Man Randy Savage was like the Ultimate Warrior's horse whisperer. Yeah. He just yeah. got him for some reason. And... And they just clicked when they were in the ring. Even out of the ring, they they didn't have a problem with each other. Yeah. That was rare for the Warrior. <laughs> right. But, yeah, they just... This is a really good match. It's got it's got tons of build. I mean, you're going into a career versus career match, and they built this thing up as good as the main event. And that's really yeah. one of the first times, I think, if not the first time they've ever done that for WrestleMania. Yeah, it was this billed is, as a double main event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it was a crazy match, boy, and it paid off. Yeah, I mean the build, the mat. You know, a lot of times you build these matches up and they're good. Yeah, but they're not all they could have been. This is pretty much everything <laughs> yeah. it could have been, and yeah. then some actually. Right. And all that being said, Sherry. Yeah, <laughs> failed to mention Queen Sherry was out there, and she was all over the place. Yeah. This is probably the best performance ever by yeah, Sherry. Yeah, and it's great. It makes total sense because if King's out, she's out, right? Well, they don't really say that she has to go right. if Macho loses, right? But they kind of made it like, well, what else is she going to do, right? You know, and yeah, it, it might as well be a handicap match, right? So. Yeah, because she's in the mat, she's in the ring as much as the guys are. Yeah. She's all over there. Kind of the equivalent of Jimmy Hart and the Piper Adonis match. At yeah, three. yeah, it's very similar. She's to that. pretty much a part of the match. Yeah, like it, as a competitor. 
Yeah, except she's in danger of having multiple wardrobe malfunctions. But <laughs> right. The crowd doesn't really seem to care <laughs> right. that, that she is. Well, they do care, but in a different way. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a really great match. Ends up like Macho King gets like five of the the elbows on the warrior at one yeah. point. The best elbows he's ever done. Yeah. You want to see Just five in a row? Yeah, five in a row. And I, I remember I watched this like on a day delay at my friend Jason's house. And I was just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. He's He didn't even pin him with the He's like, five out. Yeah. He's like, pin him. I'm yelling to pin the yeah. guy. And I guess I guess the ref knocked out at this point or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. Five elbows. He doesn't he doesn't go for a pin after any one of them except until after the fifth one. Yeah. And he doesn't get it. Yeah. And then Warrior Warrior's up. Yeah. He gets his big hits on there. He gets the shoulder block, press, and the splash. Yeah. And then Macho kicks out. Yeah. And then... It's one of those really early ones where, like, nowadays, you kind of expect people to kick out of finishing moves yeah. in big matches like that. Of course, Undertaker matches, you're going to kick out of everything two to three times a piece. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even, like, Cena versus whoever, yeah. you're going to kick out. Punk versus whoever, you're going to kick out of everything at least once or twice. Yeah. But this is one of the really early ones that I can remember... Um, and even watching back at these where they were kicking out of stuff. And this yeah. was a time when that didn't happen, yeah. to my recollection. Yeah. It, it it was it was definitely, I think, groundbreaking yeah. is, so, is a word that's not... Again, uh, Macho or, Man, like, groundbreaking, like, at three, he, the match he had. And here, yeah. he's it's he was a very modern, contemporary wrestler for his time. Yeah. He was ahead of yeah. his time, I think. A- absolutely. And, you know, they go and do that weird bit where Warrior's like, Talking to his hands. Yeah. That that kind of... That's the only negative I have about the match. Yeah, but at that point in the match, I was so late, and that was almost right at the end, and I was already so into it, it didn't really bother me as much as it yeah. might have otherwise. Yeah. But it took a while. Apparently there was some something going on up in space or something. Yeah, he was, he was looking signals. at the sky. But then he figured it out. Yeah. And then he does three massive, like... Running start shoulder blocks yeah, with that was multiple weird. revolutions, yeah. and he does three in a row. And every time he hits Macho, Macho darts out of the ring, <laughs> rolls completely out of the ring every time. You no, know, from momentum. Yeah. It's not like he's yeah. no selling. And the third time, he still flies out of the ring. But yeah. then Warrior finally goes and like brings Grabs it back, him like in. come back in here, <laughs> and then he puts his damn foot on his chest and pins. Yeah, him. I didn't like that, but. You know, so but just to put forward the weirdness of the match, it even ends weird. <laughs> right. It's a it's one of the craziest freaking matches ever, man. And you know the weirdest thing for me? What? Neither one of those guys got a promo that night. At least in the version that we saw, yeah. there was no no warrior and no uh, macho man. Promo. Yeah, I don't know if the original pay per view telecast yeah. had this, but yeah, on the DVD there is nothing. And they're both gold for, like, way different reasons. Well, yeah. actually pretty similar reasons, because they're both kind of unintelligible. Just, just train wreck <laughs> yeah. wheels off promos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's that's a big letdown. No wonder Slick had the promo of the night. Yeah. So, no disrespect to Slick, but come on. You got guys going right. in there saying this is going to be their last match. They're going to go yeah. all out in their promo. But, yeah, just a crazy match. And we get bonus content afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Sherry goes nuts on Savage because, like I said, they never established that she had to go, but yeah. apparently, since the king is gone, she's no longer the queen. Yeah. Is, is that why she goes crazy? I guess. I, yeah. 
Yeah, but she starts beating up Savage. Yeah. <laughs> Kicks him with the heel and yeah. and just, you know, he's already been in this match and then, you know, he beats her yeah. up. But apparently he never sees her beating him up. He just knows he's getting beat up. Yeah. That was the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, we, we failed to mention this at the top of the match, but you got Miss Elizabeth in the crowd and yeah. she's on that side celebrity It's kind of a few uh, rows row. back. And the, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I thought it was weird that they brought it up that she was there. At the beginning of the match, do you think it would have been better if they hadn't, you know, or if they maybe caught her a glimpse of her, if the camera got her, like, like around the finish? Maybe. I think, I mean, if she's there, then it would have seemed kind of cheesy if they were like, oh, I didn't realize she was there. Yeah. You know she's going to be there, so. Right. Uh, she runs out of her seat, and uh, basically she actually attacks Sherry, which yeah. it's like the second time ever she got physical. Yeah. And uh, they were both at Sherry's expense, too, yeah, right. which is great. And... You know, weirdly enough, Sherry backs down. Yeah. Which I thought that's kind of weird, too. Yeah. But she backed down, and she got to be carried out by your favorite referee in the entire world, Hebner. Yeah. Yeah. And they have that, that great moment, man, where they look at, like, first of all, Savage pushed her away because he thinks that he she beat her him up for some reason. That's like, what it kind of looked like for a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then he's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And then she starts crying, and then he kind of <laughs> he kind of starts crying a little bit, yeah. and they just... They have that hug, man, and I gotta say, I don't know if it's just my old age or something, but when I was a kid, I thought it was cool. Yeah. But the more I see that, I get a chill. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Maybe. Maybe also because we're watching these WrestleManias so back to back. Yeah. But that has a lot to do with the the nostalgia factor. Has a lot to do with it. It's yeah. Because I mean, you remember that then, and now you see it again now. Yeah. But it was just really well done too. Yeah, I and think they have to pick the the crowd reaction shots of the like women in tears, like all over yeah. the place. That woman crying, the 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 guy uh, Kerwin Silphus, the director, he says that's his favorite shot in the history of WrestleMania. <laughs> He's pretty much almost produced like every WrestleMania, yeah. and he said that that's his favorite shot. And I I guess he kept giving that that woman like passes every year that oh, yeah. tracked her down or something, but. The funny thing is, if you notice, I mean, she's wearing this ridiculous outfit, but the thing that I noticed the most is that she's holding a Ultimate Warrior wrestling <laughs> buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just really, every, yeah. everything about this match weird. is weird. Yeah. But, but then uh, the, at the very end, Macho Man does put, he puts Elizabeth on his shoulder, and that's that iconic yeah. photo that you see. Of, yeah. It's kind of like the upward shot with, because Elizabeth's in like the, the black and like sparkly looking thing. Yeah, and the Macho's, stars. Yeah, with the stars yeah. on it. And, so you've seen that photo. Yeah. Everybody's seen that oh. photo. So Yeah. I, and like I said, I don't know if I'm just mellowing out my old age or, you know, immort- uh, fear of mortality or something, but <laughs> I, I damn near wept this time. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> All right. So that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Just, that's yeah. why these are specials. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, All right. right. I need a moment. Chris, you, you continue good? on. All right. Um, so th- that obviously was a high point. Because that was the main event, so this next segment of Mania is kind of it's kind of like the intermission kind of thing. Because yeah. there's a lot of backstage stuff. Yeah. Um, Bobby Heenan uh, is talking about stuff. Um, Regis Philbin is back there with the Undertaker, and Undertaker's like doing the measurements for Regis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, Alex Trebek is uh, back there with um, Smash and Crush. And, yes, and Fuji. Yeah, and yes. Fuji and. Alex, of course, you know, and his massive intelligent ego. Yeah, he was getting just, on my nerves. Is doing, trying to do some Japanese, you know. Yeah, all this stuff. So, I didn't uh, care for Trebek. Yeah, 
jerk. Yeah, he's an ass. <laughs> Thinks he knows everything. I'm gonna put him and Mean Gene on a game show with you. That'll be like your biggest nightmare. <laughs> no. I think you're gonna get a hate mail for healing on Mean Gene, I think. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> um and then back to Regis, because they've just got the guys just interviewing like all these nice guys out. Oh, early. is this gonna be the worst interview in the history of WrestleMania? I think so. Yeah. Regis with Tenru and uh Katow. We're gonna have some good clean racism. Yeah. <laughs> so move on past that. Yeah. And let's just move on to the next match. Do we um, have to? Yeah. I mean, I love Demolition, but uh, and, yeah. I, and we, we love us some Japanese wrestling, but you put these two together, not so much. Well, yeah, and the fact that they they got stuck in a horrible place on the show, like, you can't win in that spot. Yeah, this is also true. But, so many people were in the bathroom for this yeah. match. Like, you could literally see rows of empty seats in, like, the first ten rows. Yeah. It was, I felt, I feel bad for all of these guys. Yeah. But it was so. Demolition, uh, the Smash Crush version with Mr. Fuji versus uh, Tindru and Kitao. So yes. it was just the crowd, like you said, the crowd was dead. It's just not not a good match. There's not yeah. much to say. I, I think one of the reasons they had these guys in here was uh, Vince was trying to do like kind of a cooperative crossover. Maybe get some talent here and there. But they were planning on booking some big shows out in Japan. So they wanted uh, to have good relations with them. So I think this was kind of part of that move. So that kind of explains it. Because this match, and like I said, I remember all these build-ups. This match had zero build-up. Really? It was on the card. They announced it. But it was basically like, these guys are coming in, and this is their first shot. Hmm. That was it. So uh, what was the finish in the match, Chris? I'm, I, I'm, we just saw it, and I'm already forgetting. Um, There was a uh, powerbomb. Tenryu pinned oh, yeah. uh, Smash. With, yeah. yeah, powerbomb. Japanese powerbomb. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, as 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 much of a surprise it is to the to the viewing audience, this would be the last time that Tenru Katao would appear at WrestleMania. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, they're very talented guys, and they definitely did their best stuff in their homeland. So yeah. go look them up on yeah. YouTube because I, I, I'm gonna I, I'm basically I had to really edit a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So, Tenru, I'll just say, this is interesting. Back-to-back Royal Rumbles, 1993 and 1994. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Nice. Uh, he was also one of Mr. Fuji's hitmen around that time that would attack uh, Lex Luger when he was going after Yokozuna. And I think he might have had a hand in the Undertaker bit, too, when they uh, got rid of him when he was feuding with Yokozuna. Mm-hmm. But uh, my memory's hazy on that one. He's basically wrestled for all the bigs in Japan, uh, SWS, which I referred to earlier, and War. He was up in on yeah. the. He actually formed those two companies. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew. He, I I knew his ties with uh, War. Yeah, and when he formed War, uh, he had some massive matches versus like Great Muda, Masahiro Chono. I mean, he wrestled all the bigs over there. Uh, War closes. He goes back to New Japan. Uh, and apparently he's also the first, ja- even though this is a Japanese thing, he was the first Japanese guy to win the All Japan Triple Crown. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, which also gets his New Japan Heavyweight title, IWGP, yeah. you know, that whole thing. Uh, so basically just bounced back between New Japan and All Japan. Uh, had a run in 2005 in NOAA, and had a run in 2007 in Hustle. Mm-hmm. And in 2009 he went, and speaking of which, full circle, he wrestled in a promotion called Smash. <laughs> so, bringing it back. Wow. Uh, Katao, literally, I'm going to have to tell you, go 
just go on Wikipedia and look up Katao. He's a legit guy. Massive in the sumo world. Has a black belt in martial arts. He's for real. Nice. Uh, I will say two things of note that'll maybe get a pop out of you, Chris. In 1996, he appeared in a movie called The Quest, <laughs> starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, there was this little old game that we used to play the massive crap out of. WCW versus the world. Oh, yeah. Remember Kim Chi? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he looked familiar when we were watching this again. Yeah. Yeah, so... He was the template of the kimchi character. Gotcha. Since, you know, we're not put a mohawk in a wheelchair on yeah. him so you don't get sued. <laughs> like pretty much it was just it looked exactly like him, they just changed the name. Yeah. You can find there's there's even a Takamichinoku in there, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there you go. A little Tenru Katayo. Like I said, go look up Katayo. Uh, he's massive. He's like Hall of Fame. He's got like a whatever the equivalent of uh man's Chinese theater handprints <laughs> over in the uh, sumo and martial arts world. He's got one of those in there. Okay. He's a Hall of Famer. I didn't know there was a, an equivalent to that. Yeah, well, it's close <laughs> enough. Hall of Famer. <laughs> there you go. There's a lot of Hall of Famers here yeah. tonight, Chris. Um, Alright, so moving along. Uh, next up is the Intercontinental title match. Uh, the champion going in is uh, Mr. Perfect yes. this time. And he's going up against the big boss man. So boss yeah. man, baby face, against heel perfect. Yeah, and this is the culmination of a super duper long feud that started back the previous summer. Which actually started off by doing this weird thing. Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan started making disparaging comments about the big boss man's mother. For no reason. Mm-hmm. Just because they didn't like the boss man, and, and Bobby Heenan would constantly make jokes about boss man's mother on while he was doing color commentary. <laughs> so he the, the feud went on, and it was always there. Yeah, uh, they uh, Jack Tunney claimed that Rick Rude was fired because of the comments he made. So that was Rick Rude's out of the company, All right. going to WCW. Uh, so basically, it turns into well, Heenan, you have been a thorn in my side, so. I'm going to take the only title in your camp. And Heenan's like, well, if you're going to do that, you got to go through my entire family. Bossman proceeds to do that on every major show. And finally ending up with the culmination of Wrestling Perfect for the title. So that's the whole point of this whole thing. Well, yeah. Massive, uh, huh? Yeah, that was a really good match, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, man, there's some... Two guys that are great cells, yeah. too. And, oh, yeah. And Perfect is just on fire in this match. Definitely. <laughs> and so, yeah, it ends up, unfortunately, being a disqualification. Bossman does get the victory by disqualification, though, so he does not take the title yeah. away. But the Barbarian comes back and runs in. Yeah. And Haku, right? They both get in there? Yeah, like the Heenan family came out. and Yeah. yeah. There's well, a big melee going on. Yeah. But Bossman had a friend in the back. Yes. Uh, the... Great Andre the Giant comes yeah. in and, you know, uh, he scares off the Hina family, I guess. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's kind of an awkward segment, but, uh, yeah, you know, because, you know, Andre Andre's on his cane and yeah. he can't really do all that much. Yeah, and we've been seeing that for, like, the past, like, since we've been talking about something is he, like, probably shouldn't have even been there. And so this, each one consecutive, yeah, it's further and further along. Yeah, so... And uh, this is really Andre's last major appearance at, at WrestleMania, for sure, because yeah. he he uh, he wouldn't be with us very much longer after that. And uh, yeah, 1993, he uh, he would pass away 
uh, definitely do yourself a favor. If you're not from the generation of Andre the Giant, go you know watch his any biography. Go read uh, interviews about him. Yeah, he was a cool guy and uh, just one of the most massive. I was saying top five. I did a disservice by not putting Andre in there. By the way, earlier because yeah. yeah. he, it's hard. It's it's always debatable and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, you can't discount how much of an attraction and icon Andre the Giant is, and it, it's super important just to the overall popularity right. of what pro wrestling has true. today. Yeah. So Andre, much respect, and and, and you will be missed. I you know, I I I, I don't like seeing this period of Andre. Yeah, because it's very sad. It's hard to watch, kind of. Yeah. yeah, and I realize the reason to put him on there is because you know it's it's mania. Right. You know, and he probably maybe he even wanted to be there. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I guess Bossman really doesn't win the feud because he never got the Intercontinental title. Right. No. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so perfect retains and prevails. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of, I didn't even mention it since Heenan was out there. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes was actually in the booth yeah. uh, with uh, Monsoon. I thought that so. was really cool because, yeah. you know, Alfred Hayes, you know, he, he, he got in there a little bit, especially in the early years. Like, he's he's the guy in the yeah. kind of in the gorilla position for Mania yeah. 1, and he gets to do commentary at the end of WrestleMania 2 in the L.A. segment. Yeah. But, yeah, they never really had a spot for him besides that. And I'm not saying that he should have because yeah. I like Alfred Hayes, but... Yeah, he just you know yeah. he wasn't as good in the booth yeah. as Jesse or, or right. Gorilla, and right. that's just that's just the facts, yeah. you know. So, like I said, I've said this numerous times, but I would have loved to have seen old school heel Lord Alfred Hayes because yeah. apparently he was a bastard in his day. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, that would be the if I ever like ran to William Regal, I'd be like, "Tell me about it, Lord Alfred Hayes," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or something like that. Yeah. But you know, I like him, and I was like I said, glad that he got a spot in there. And he seemed to be having a blast. Yeah. He came in there and he was on fire. Yeah. So. Uh, I just recently watched the Bobby Heenan show on YouTube a oh, lot. Yeah. Uh, whatever I could find of it. And I totally kept forgetting that Alfred Hayes was his Ed McMahon. Oh, yeah. He was his announcer in Yuck Monkey. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's awesome. He loved Heenan. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, after this, after this, the matches aren't really very good these next few yeah. leading up to they should have just like they should have cut a lot of the second half of the show out I think yeah what's up with this yeah man? but uh before, I can't imagine this is gonna happen at Wrestlemania yeah, 8 could know, it right? <laughs> yeah. but before we get to that uh, Mean Gene is out in the crowd it's not Sean Mooney it's Mean Gene is it oh yeah, yeah because this is big time because he's interviewing celebrities yeah um uh we see Trump out there um Chuck Norris is out there. He has them just kind of like in a line. Like they're just there with their family, and they, the, yeah. they none of them really look like they want to talk. They're just like, all right, yeah, I'm here. I guess I'll say something. I didn't get the impression that they're they're there for themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's Chuck Norris, uh, Henry Winkler, and Lou Ferrigno are all yeah. out there. So, you know, it's not just because of Happy Days and the Fonz, but man, you don't want to see Henry Winkler in a Cosby sweater. Yeah. It's just it's it's defeating. So yeah, and I realize he's it's two different people. Yeah, one's fictional, <laughs> right? But yeah. it's man, come on, man, wear a polo or something. I don't know, <laughs> not like not a Cosby sweater. It's freaking L.A. in the right. springtime. Yeah, are you kidding me? All right, anyway, Lou yeah. <laughs> Frigno's up there giving his hundred and ten percent. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. They, yeah, they just seemed very general in their comments. Yeah, they're just like, hey, you want to be on TV? And it's like, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, so let's get these through these next few matches. Please. Um, yes. Earthquake with Jimmy Hart versus uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine is next yes. up. Greg the Hammer Valentine's only run and appearance in WrestleMania, especially as a babyface. No. Is that not weird enough for yeah. everybody in the room? Yeah. Because I'm used to a consistent heel Valentine guy. Yeah. But, yeah, I, you know, I, people, I don't think anybody wanted to see that. I didn't want to see yeah. that. I didn't back him as a, as a babyface. Yeah, it's just weird. I only rooted for him if he was wrestling somebody that I hated. Right. You know, so, but it was kind of just a half-hearted yeah. woo-woo, you know. Yeah. So, this match didn't really do anything. It didn't really no. go anywhere. No. He got a few hits on an earthquake, but Quake Earth gets the win with the earthquake thing. Yeah, the earthquake uh, sit on your chest. Thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yes, earthquake will be back, but Valentine won't actually, believe it or not. Uh, a long-time Mania veteran. Uh, pretty much after that, he did make his appearance in, in I say, the the most star-studded Royal Rumble ever, 1992, for the vacated title. Uh, but that was pretty much his last major appearance for WWF initially. He signed with WCW, started teaming with Terry Taylor, and won your favorite, the United States Tag Team Titles, once again. <laughs> and left... Actually, later on that year, he didn't stay in WCW uh, very long at all. He came back to WWF in 1993, but nobody knew it, really, unless you were really in the know, because he was a Blue Knight in the Survivor Series Knights team, uh, which was initially going to be uh, Jerry Lawler's Knights, but it turned into Shawn Michaels' Knights when they wrestled the Hart family. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the Brett Owen feud. Uh, he did have an appearance at Royal Rumble 1994, but that was pretty much it. He never really did much else in WWF initially. Uh, he did some indies. He won the IWA title at the first Wrestle Reunion, so that's fun. He won it in a Battle Royal. And he did a Dream Team Reunion in 2007 <laughs> at Juggalo Championship Wrestling, mm, which I, unfortunate. I never like to mention them on the show. Uh, but uh, better... 2004, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And then after Raw Homecoming, he made a few appearances as one of Eugene's buddies. Mm. Like on the Sunday Night Heats, you saw some of those yeah. too, right? And uh, they did that for a little bit. He had a few appearances here and there. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Hall of Famer. Uh, wife and two kids. Uh, the weirdest fact I could find out about Greg Valentine is that his brother-in-law is Brian Nobbs. Huh. <laughs> That's unfortunate, too. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> but that means they're all Hogan cronies. So. Yeah. There you go, little Greg Valentine. I, yeah. Greg Valentine, best match. Go watch the dog collar match versus Piper oh, yeah. at Starcade. Yeah. All right, we're just moving right along then. Uh, Power and Glory is the next uh, team up in tag team match with Slick versus Legion of Doom. Yeah, Hawk and Animal, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, and they prove it because they destroy power and glory in less yeah. than a minute. Yeah, so it's not really much of a match. There you go. Yeah, not much of a match at all. I thought power and glory were going to be tag team champions when they debuted because they were so impressive, and they were actually really fun to watch. Yeah. For some reason, they just clicked. Yeah. And by the time the next year rolled around, nothing. Really? So I don't know no. what happened, but they didn't win the tag titles. And that's all she wrote for Paul Roma, Chris. Back to where are they now once again. That took about as long as the uh, match itself, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Uh, Paul Roma, you'll find this interesting, hopefully. <laughs> Paul Roma, uh, his first love after pro wrestling is professional boxing. Okay. So he decided to take a crack at that 
just after he left WWF, he had a total of three professional boxing matches. Okay. These are professional matches. And his record was 2-1. and one. All right. Not bad. Over he 50%? Actually, so, yeah. All right. And the match he lost, apparently, he lost because his trainer threw in the towel. Oh. Yeah. So okay. you can't say he was never knocked out. So good, sure. for, good for him. Uh, but uh, one of the most controversial moves, I think, maybe in the history of pro wrestling, happened around Paul Roma. Because in 1993, he went to WCW, and he became a horseman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I think the only reason he's not the most hated horseman yeah. of all time is because somebody named Steve McMichael exists. Yeah. But he actually won the tag titles with Arn Anderson. And I actually saw that match, too, because they beat the Hollywood Blondes. But Pillman was on crutches that day or something. And they actually had Regal as their partner. Oh, really? Defending the belts. So right. the horsemen beat those guys, but they were like, dude, you didn't beat the champs. Yeah. So that was all that whole thing. Uh, but after that, they actually, the horsemen. This is how bad this horseman run is. They lost the titles to the Nasty Boys. Nah. Moving on. Paul Roma actually, uh, I think, put together a more consistent tag team. They put him with uh, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Thorndorf, yeah. and they formed a tag team called Pretty Wonderful. Mm. And despite the cheesy name playing off their nicknames, uh-huh. they were pretty damn successful. They were two-time WCW tag team champions. And they defended those titles on multiple pay-per-views, so I'd say that's a pretty successful run. Yeah. Uh, currently, Paul Roma, he works indies, and he actually trains professional wrestlers in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and yeah. is currently married. That's all I got. Cool. Good and one. we already did Slick, so I was a little yeah. early on Slick, but yeah. hey, we love Slick. I, I, I got so excited about Slick. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, Hercules, yeah. you're, you're also not coming back. Ah. <sighs> Well, Hercules is in that star-studded Royal Rumble in 1992. Interestingly enough, you can find this footage also online. His last WWE match was at Madison Square Garden, and he put over Sid Justice. Uh, But apparently, and I've seen it, he completely no-sells Sid. Like, he took the powerbomb, got pinned, and immediately got up and walked out of the ring. Like, immediately. And he looks really pissed. Wow. So, there's that. But he did go to WCW, much like many of these people did, in 1992, where he was the Oriental Assassin, the Super Invader, <laughs> in a red panty mask. Right. So uh, I remember seeing that because there was one great appearance he had. It was the 20th anniversary of pro wrestling on TBS, so they had a Clash of the Champions party surrounding it. And the main event was Super Assassin, or sorry, Super Invader, the Oriental Assassin, teaming up with Rick Rude. Jake Roberts and Vader wow. versus Sting, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner Brothers. Wow. And it was an Elimination 8-man. I remember this. Uh, it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed the match. I remember actually uh, Hercules actually got eliminated first, uh, but uh, it was still probably his biggest appearance in that company. Uh, he went to New Japan where he wrestled back to uh, the moniker Hercules Hernandez, and then he wound up teaming in IWGP with Scott Norton Oh, well. You know how the Japanese love our American big men, so yeah. they must have loved this team. Yeah. And check this out. They were called the Jurassic Powers. <laughs> That's an awesome name. <laughs> Isn't that great? And they actually were good enough to win the IWGP yeah. tag titles, and they did that. Uh, Hercules, uh, he retired in 1999, 
Not sure why. It might have just been, you know, just probably the same just stuff, nagging again. injuries. Uh, and sadly, he left us March 6, 2004. So rest in peace, Hercules. You had a very good run. You know, he yeah. was on. He was very consistent at WrestleMania. Yeah. So it's too bad that last appearance uh, was so yeah. non-noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there you go. So yeah, like Hercules. I like Hercules. Yeah. Uh, next matchup is Ted DiBiase versus Virgil, who is being seconded by Rowdy Roddy Piper, actually, who's on crutches. Man, I think this might be the longest build-up to almost any match ever. Yeah. Because literally, the build for this started in 1987. <laughs> yeah. It, it really did, <laughs> it did really. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, whenever Virgil hit him with the belt at Royal Rumble, I marked out probably as much as Piper did in the booth. Yeah. It was such a great moment. And they had just, they had really been pushing the issue those those months leading up to it for obvious reasons obviously they had a plan here no what can we do and i guess they always knew they had this in the back of their pocket so they went with it yeah so, and, you know Vir- virgil wasn't uh, very gifted no, right. as a pro wrestler yeah. but this this really carried a lot you know for the the character carried a lot into this because yeah. you wanted to root for him you wanted I him liked to Virgil. Win. Yeah. I mean I was a pretty big fan of Virgil honestly at the time. Yeah. So how does the match look to you now in retrospect? All that being said, the fandom of it um know. I mean you've got DiBiase in there who's going to carry the match obviously and yeah. it's okay. I mean I I still enjoy watching it again. So yeah. yeah. And it, actually, Piper was legit hurt. He was on crutches, yeah. and he had to sit down in a chair the whole match. Yeah. But he obviously was hating that because he yeah. just kept wanting to get up and get up. Yeah. And uh, he played a factor in the finish. Cause, uh, it, and, and you got uh, Sensational Sherry yeah. coming back to plant the seed as she's going to be DiBiase's new corner person. Yeah. And I always thought it was interesting. I don't know why they thought that DiBiase really needed managers. You ever think about that? Right. Like, you know, she, I, I can understand the Sherry thing because they can make it a gold-digging bit. Right. Uh, but, you know, after that, Jimmy Hart manages Money, Inc. It's like, yeah. Money, Inc. doesn't need a manager. He, DiBiase despicable. seems like a manager himself, really. He yeah. could manage people while still being a wrestler, you know? Yeah. And at least when he stopped wrestling, you know, yeah. uh, it, when he kind of semi-retired in the mid-90s, you know, they made him a great manager, the Million yeah. Dollar Corporation. Yeah. So it, I just thought it was weird. It's like, they don't need Jimmy Hart. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm moving. I'm yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. moving it ahead, but it's, yeah, Virgil actually did get the victory via countout, though, so that kind of hurt. <laughs> well, not only does a title not change hands on a yeah. countout, but the Million Dollar well, Belt doesn't change hands for anybody. Right. <laughs> so it's a boot point. Yeah. They never said that it was for the belt either. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't have that match until SummerSlam later that year, which is actually probably the better match. No. So we'll see once we get to our SummerSlam history yeah. down the road somewhere. Right. But, uh, yeah, hey, you know, you got DiBiase, Piper, I'm happy. Yeah. Even Sherry, I'm I'm totally happy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. All right, moving along. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Uh, we do have uh, Slaughter actually cuts his promo for the the main event now. Yeah. Um, he's with uh, General Adnan. Oh, yeah. And they show that bit where he burns the Hulk Hogan t-shirt. Yeah. What did they soak that in, Chris? I don't know, yeah. I mean, that thing went up like 30 Christmas trees. <laughs> right. 10 Super Bowls. Right. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a flame like that ever? They must have, yeah, something was on that because it, yeah. it just went right yeah. up. 
I still remember that interview to this day just because of that. Right. It's just, it, would, it obviously left an impression. But, uh, yeah, I don't think there's, has there any, I don't know if there's ever been a bigger villain, honestly, in the history yeah, then, of pro wrestling than Sergeant Slaughter yeah. at this time. Yeah. I yeah, because he getting death threats for real and yeah. not able to, like, go anywhere. And, yeah, they had to move his family to, like, a makeshift trailer home. Yeah. Like, off the grid. Yeah. So weird, man. Yeah. And this is apparently one of the reasons why they had to move it into an indoor arena. Sure. Sure. Not because they couldn't sell those yeah. other 85,000 tickets. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, but what a great scapegoat, right? <laughs> uh, so they do the interview, and they're building up to the main event still, but we're not going to have that yet. Not yet. Uh, the warm-up match for the main event is the Mountie versus Tito Santana. Uh, everybody in this match deserves better. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's kind of a nothing match. It yeah. ends literally, I think, in under three minutes. And the Mountie uses the cattle prod. And I never thought I'd say this. The dubbed-in sound effect of the cattle prod really helps the cattle prod because it's not in this match. I, oh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was the cheesiest thing they've probably ever done, is to dub yeah. in sound. Dubbed-in sound effects and, like, added, like... Special like electrical effects and things like that. No, none of that works. But it's still, it's actually worse that I don't hear it in yeah, a mounting match. I guess because I, you just have to take it on good. You just have to take, take it on their word faith. that the cattle prod is working. It's called acting. It's acting. Uh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's yeah. that was that match. You know what's sad is that uh, Santana. That was eight WrestleManias in a row, and technically. That's it for him. Really? Well, technically, so I'm going to go ahead and do the where the now. I might as well. We've already done like 30 of these for That's this right. Mania. Uh, he did wrestle in the dark match for WrestleMania 9, Chris. No, that doesn't count. And he defeated Papa Shango. All right. So, uh, I found out something really cool about Santana, and I didn't know this. Did you know that Tito Santana is a former ECW World Heavyweight Champion? I did not know that. Technically, he is, because right in that early era, right when they're getting into extreme, he did win the title. He actually beat Don Morocco for it. Wow. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, after that, he did a lot of the bigger indies in America, the ones that were still around at the time, even yeah. ones like some of the makeshift ones. Uh, he went to IWCCW. That was his most notable indie because he literally picked up all the feuds that he had before. It was like, the Ghost of Christmas Past for Tito mm-hmm. Santana. He feuded with Hercules, Rick Martel, and Greg Valentine all over again. Nice. Uh, he did capture... He was the first and last champion of a federation called the AWF, who he beat Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. for oh. that title. Oh. Uh, went back to WWF as a Spanish commentator in 1997. And obviously I got this fact off the internet because I do not remember this. <laughs> January 2000, he actually made an appearance on WCW Monday Nitro as a one-off, defeating Jeff Jarrett at the really? height of his believability. So I have no idea what the circumstances are surrounding that match because I couldn't find it on YouTube. Yeah. I wanted to know why Santana was put over Jeff Jarrett, who was their biggest villain at the time. Yeah, But that happened, apparently. Huh. All right. So he's 1-0 on Nitro. All right. <laughs> uh, but even better... In 2004, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame right before WrestleMania 20. 
remember old school Raw 2010? Yeah. He was uh, the announcer for Alberto Del Rio that night. Yeah. That was fun. And uh, kind of a trend for this Where Are They Now at WrestleMania 7. Uh, he might have actually been at Chikara King of Trios in 2012. Mm-hmm. Ooh, last year. Wow, that's a pretty uh, modern appearance there yeah. for Tito. Uh, but currently his day job, he's actually a Spanish teacher, and I think he does basketball or football also. He's a coach yeah. uh, in a place called Eisenhower, New Jersey, I believe yeah. is the name right. of it. I could be wrong, but that's what I found. Uh, cool. Wife and three kids. Uh, he's also, oh yeah, I might as well say this, in 2008 he put out his autobiography called Tales from the Ring. So nice. if you're a Tito fan, go pick that up. Chris? Cool. <laughs> All right, well, after the Hogan promo, which is next, which it, it's a Hogan promo, so. Yeah, um, of course. We're finally at the main event. Oh, yeah, finally. For the WWF title, Sergeant Slaughter, who is the champion, going in um, versus Hulk Hogan. Yes, and isn't it um, guest ring announcer Alex Trebek, guest timekeeper Marla Maples, and guest color commentator Regis Philbin, right? Yes. Yay! <laughs> um... <laughs> See, I mean, it's a good match. It's actually, it's actually a pretty well done match. Yeah. That's probably, it's a, it's, it's up there. It's with with Hogan matches. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, yeah he even, he even, he even bleeds a little for us. Yeah, there was blood in the match, which, I mean, it made it look that much more, because there was a lot of strong feelings going into this match oh, from yeah. everybody involved, and I'm not just talking about them, but the fans and everything. Oh yeah. So, and I think that. Ex- help to accentuate just those just the emotion you know yeah it's good that the match isn't actually terrible it's actually very watchable yeah so that really adds to it right because it it didn't need to it didn't need to be great i mean i'm glad it was right yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah. yeah. so uh at one point hogan is in the camel clutch for quite a bit yeah and that's pretty much how that's how the match ends up there's a lot of there's actually some pretty good false finishes in this match, yeah. and I'm thinking about it. You yeah. know, like Slaughter gets a couple of really close two and a halfs and stuff like that, and then you notice that Hebner's like counting really slow. Yeah, for Slaughter, like yeah. they even kind of, it's almost like that was planned. Right. Like, hey, count really slow for him because he's a bastard. <laughs> right. You know, that that's what I think at least. Yeah, could be. Yeah, but after after Hogan breaks the camel clutch, we get the atypical Hogan finish, don't we? Yeah. Big boot. Leg drop. That's it. Hogan yep. is the new WWE champ. One more yeah. time. I got a couple more things to talk about the match before we get into match ranking because I know I'm eager to do it as well as you. Yeah. Uh, General Adnan, real quick, uh, he pretty much left after the that match made in heaven, match made in hell, where the six-man match in SummerSlam that year. Uh, I couldn't even really find out what fed this was, but he started a heel faction on the indie scene called the Rat Pack. <laughs> Hmm. Which is weird for a, a a unit that's managed by General Adnan in yeah. the, in that character still. Yeah. His charges were Cowboy Bob Orton, Mr. Hughes, and Manny Fernandez. <laughs> okay. A weird bunch. Yeah. Uh he also started his own federation, which I, I think is great because when these you hear about these independent feds and they're just trying to use some of the familiar names yeah. and sometimes it just sounds really over the top. So his that he started was called the World All-Star Wrestling Alliance. Okay. <laughs> the W-A-S-W-A. <laughs> anyway. 
I'd say the most interesting thing about General Adnan, I think his real name was Sheikh Adnan Al-Kassi, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Or at least that was his first professional name. But he apparently was on first-name basis with the real Saddam Hussein, okay? And some pictures surface, you can find them online, and it's they're real pictures. And this yeah. is back in the 70s, they knew each other. Yeah. Uh, so that's really the only other major appearance that uh, General Adnan has made was on Fox News in 2006 talking about Saddam Hussein's early days. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, if you want to know more, which it's probably in there. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it is because I haven't read it. But a few years ago, he put out his own book, too, called The Sheik of Baghdad, Tales of Celebrity and Terror from Pro Wrestling's General Adnan. There's a mouthful, isn't it? All right, that's yeah. a, yeah. So Tito had Tales from the Ring. Yeah. Very succinct to the point, yeah. To the point. Th- this is very overtly pointed. Yeah, just like his federation was, too. Yeah. Yeah, he, he likes words, He likes words. <laughs> <laughs> and also, one more thing. They This didn't... I don't think this aired on the pay-per-view. It's definitely not on the DVD, but post-match, they do a thing backstage where Mean Gene is interviewing a very bloody Hulk Hogan with American flag and title around his waist. And as soon as he opens up the locker room door, there is slaughter, and he throws a fireball at his face. <laughs> nice. He totally fireballs him backstage. And, uh, yeah, that's it. You just think the feud's going to continue. It actually doesn't. Really? Really. That was pretty much it. They probably did some stuff at house shows, but that was pretty much it on TV. So... I was like, that would have been really funny if they'd actually ended the show that way. You're right. But I guess, you know, you, you, you kind of want to send out, the people yeah. home happy. Yeah, exactly. I I understand it. Yeah. Chris, can we can we rank the, the show finally? Yes. Here? Are you ready? I'm so sorry. This is just, <laughs> I've, this has been going on 100 years. I'm aware of the nows, but yes, I am ready. Let's do it, Chris. All right. The worst match on the show was the Mountie versus Tito Santana. Oh, it's so just, sad. Yeah, it's so just sad. Not much of a match. Uh, next match down at number 13 was Demolition versus Tenru and Katow. Mm-hmm. And the crowd didn't help either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, at number 12 comes Power and Glory versus the Legion of Doom. Yeah, that really only gets it because we get to see the, the, the finisher. Yeah. Like, that that really is the only thing that helps the ranking and the fact that it's, yeah, yeah. That it's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, number 11, Earthquake versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. All right. Not much of a match. Not much of a, these are all well, like bad yeah. microwave matches. Um, at number ten, this is kind of where it kind of jumps, but this was our most debated match: the blindfold match of Jake Snake Roberts versus Rick Martel. Yes, I think it might be a little low, but Chris, uh, I think Chris, you convinced me, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you that it's number ten, a little begrudgingly. Yeah, well... But I will agree with you. Alright, well, right above that, barely above that, honestly, is uh, Dino Bravo versus the Texas Tornado. Wow, we actually put that over the blindfold match. Yep. Okay, alright. I stand by it. Hey, uh, my my fandom of Carrie will will keep me cool on that I stand by it. Okay, alright. Number eight is Ted DiBiase versus Virgil. Wow, that's pretty low considering how historical that match is, but... uh, Yeah, but... Count out and you know stuff yeah happens, I so. don't like count outs yeah, yeah that that hurts I'm just playing devil's advocate I'm yeah number seven Jimmy Snuka versus the Undertaker yeah which once again not a great match but there's nothing wrong with it either though 
No, nothing wrong with it, but massive historical significance. Yeah. yeah. Um, number six is actually the first match on the show, the Rockers versus Haku and the Barbarian. All right. It's a good match. Yeah. So nice. now we're getting into the, the good yeah. stuff. You kind of yeah, this, right this, up into there. This top half sounds like it's going to be really yeah. good if that if that's number six. <laughs> uh, number five is the Warlord versus the British Bulldog. Yeah, you know, I'm glad we put it there because to, in the early era of WrestleMania, this is one of the great sleeper matches you should go back and watch. Yeah. So if I have to recommend to go back and watch one of these that you haven't seen a whole lot because you might have seen, you know, the Slaughter-Hogan match a lot or the retirement match a lot. Right. This is one to go for. Yep. Number four is the Nasty Boys versus the Hart Foundation for the titles. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, ranked up pretty high. It was yes. a decent match. Sad, but decent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next match is another title match for the Intercontinental title, uh, Big Boss Man versus Mr. Perfect. Solid. Uh, two consistent performers. Not, not much else needs to be said. Yeah. Uh, tainted. That thing would have definitely ranked way higher if not be for the disqualification. Well, it can't rank much higher. It's in number three. Well, I mean, it could have contended with something else if it had a better finish. True. That's all I'm trying to say. It's true. Uh, So there's two matches left. There's the two main events of a double main event. So they did it pretty well up at the top. It's just just that middle portion. They just kind of, not so much. Um, But we actually put the other title match, the WWF title, Sergeant Slaughter versus Hulk Hogan at number two, which means that the number one match on the show, no surprise to anyone, is the Macho Man versus the Ultimate Warrior. I don't think it's a surprise at all. If anybody would debate us on that, I would actually have to say that you're wrong. This <laughs> right. is the best match on the show. Yeah. And we we couldn't stop talking about it, so obviously Yeah, it's... and the way the show goes, I mean, it's very much like, yeah, watch the first half, and if you don't watch the second half, you'll miss that perfect match. Yeah. But other than that, you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, you can you could have cut off a good... 45 to 50 minutes off the show. You could have cut five. Yeah, you could have cut five matches out of here, and I would have been fine with it. Yeah. So. I can't imagine saying the same thing about WrestleMania 8, but nah. who knows? Who knows? We'll see. You have to join us on the next one. Yes. Any last words before we get out of here, Chris? Um, Stars and Stripes Forever. Yes. And, uh, yeah, if, if you disagree with this ranking, or if you have something additional to say about WrestleMania 7. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So, Chris, how can they do that? They can go to cnjradio.com for all of our shows, including the Wrestling House Show and the WrestleMania House Show. And you can find our Facebook there. Message us on Facebook. We'll probably get that before anything else. Follow us on Twitter and share all of this with your friends. Yes. Well, Chris, we got number 8 coming up. Yes. I- I'm actually looking forward to it. I... I remember half of it really well. Yeah. And I, I, I know that this is actually probably going to be one of the better commentating shows. So I'm looking for that to carry it through. We'll see what happens. We'll see. All right. We'll see you at the Hoosier Dome. Mania 8. Bye. It's all over, Blake. 
I don't believe it. That is super fly Jimmy Snuka. That's impressive.